Welcome to Meaningful Words About and By Meaningful People. I'm Dominique Marslek, and today we're talking about the 1973 Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade. Some controversial issues in American society do not get resolved by judicial decision, as the continuing debate over abortion illuminates. In 1970, an unmarried woman in Dallas, Texas, learned she was pregnant. She immediately sought an abortion, which was denied under an 1854 Texas law prohibiting abortion unless the woman's life was endangered. Using the pseudonym Jane Roe, she challenged the law, claiming that it violated her right of privacy under the Constitution. In 1973, the Supreme Court struck down state laws against abortion. The 14th Amendment's protection of liberty, Justice Harry Blackmun wrote, is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. But the court recognized the state's interests in protecting the potentiality of human life after the first trimester of pregnancy, allowing restrictions on abortion. Supreme Court Opinions, Roe v. Wade, 1973. Mr. Justice Blackman delivered the opinion of the court. We forthwith acknowledge our awareness of the sensitive and emotional nature of the abortion controversy, of the vigorous opposing views, even among physicians, and of the deep and seemingly absolute convictions that the subject inspires. One's philosophy, one's experiences, one's exposure to the raw edges of human existence, one's religious training, one's attitude towards life and family and their values, and the moral standards one establishes and seeks to observe are all likely to influence and to color one's thinking and conclusions about abortion. In addition, population growth, pollution, poverty, and racial overtones tend to complicate and not to simplify the problem. Our task, of course, is to resolve the issue by constitutional measurement, free of emotion. We seek earnestly to do this, and because we do, we have inquired into, and in this opinion place, some emphasis upon medical and medical legal history and what that history reveals about man's attitudes toward the abortion procedure over the centuries. We bear in mind too, Mr. Justice Holmes, admonition and is now vindicated dissent in Lochner versus New York, 1905. Quote, the constitutions made for people of fundamentally different views and the accident of our finding certain opinions natural and familiar or novel and even shocking ought not to conclude our judgment upon the question whether statues embodying them conflict with the constitution of the United States. The principal thrust of an appellate's attack on the Texas statutes is that they improperly invade a right said to be possessed by the pregnant woman to choose to terminate her pregnancy. Appellate would discover this right in the concept of personal liberty embodied in the 14th Amendment due process clause, or in personal, marital, familial, and sexual privacy said to be protected by the Bill of Rights. Three reasons have been advanced to explain historically the enactment of criminal abortion laws in the 19th century and to justify their continued existence. 
It has been argued occasionally that these laws were the product of a Victorian social concern to discourage illicit sexual conduct. Texas, however, does not advance this justification in the present case, and it appears that no court or commentator has taken the argument seriously. A second reason is concerned with abortion as a medical procedure. When most criminal abortion laws were first enacted, the procedure was a hazardous one for women. Modern medical techniques have altered the situation. Appellates refer to medical data indicating that abortion in early pregnancy, that is prior to the end of the first trimester, although not without its risk, is now relatively safe. Mortality rates for women undergoing early abortions, where the procedure is legal, appear to be as low as or lower than the rates for normal childbirth. The state has a legitimate interest in seeing to it that abortion, like any other medical procedure, is performed under circumstances that ensure maximum safety for the patient. This interest obviously extends at least to the performing physician and his staff, to the facilities involved, to the availability of aftercare, and to adequate provision for any complication or emergency that might arise. The prevalence of high mortality rates at illegal abortion mills strengthens, rather than weakens, the state's interests in regulating the conditions under which abortions are performed. Moreover, the risk to the woman increases as her pregnancy continues. Thus, the state retains a definite interest in protecting the woman's own health and safety when an abortion is proposed at late-stage pregnancy. The third reason is the state's interest. Some phrase it in terms of duty in protecting prenatal life. Some of the argument for this justification rests on the theory that a new human life is present from the moment of conception. The state's interest and general obligation to protect life then extends, it is argued, to prenatal life. Only when the life of the pregnant mother herself is at stake, balanced against the life she carries within her, should the interests of the embryo or fetus not prevail. Logically, of course, a legitimate state interest in this area need not stand nor fall on acceptance of the belief that life begins at conception or at some other point prior to live birth. In assessing the state's interest, recognition may be given to the less rigid claim that as long as at least potential life is involved, the state may assert interests beyond the protection of the pregnant woman alone. It is with these interests and the weight to be attached to them that this case is concerned. The Constitution does not explicitly mention any right of privacy. In a line of decisions, however, the court has recognized that a right of personal privacy or a guarantee of certain areas or zones of privacy does exist under the Constitution. These decisions make it clear that only personal rights that can be deemed fundamental or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty are included in this guarantee of personal privacy. They also make it clear that the right has some extension to activities relating to marriage, procreation, contraception, family relationships, and child rearing and education. This right of privacy, whether it be founded in the 14th Amendment's concept of personal liberty and restrictions upon state action, as we feel it is, 
or as the district court determined in the Ninth Amendment's reservations of rights to the people, is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. The detriment that the state would impose upon the pregnant woman by denying this choice altogether is apparent. Specific and direct harm medically diagnosable even in early pregnancy may be involved. Maternity or additional offspring may force upon the woman a distressful life in future. Psychological harm may be eminent. Mental and physical health may be taxed by childcare. There is also the distress for all concerned associated with the unwanted child. And there is the problem of bringing a child into a family already unable, psychologically and otherwise, to care for it. In other cases, as in this one, the additional difficulties and continuing stigma of unwed motherhood may be involved. All these factors, all these are factors the woman and her responsible physician necessarily will consider in consultation. On the basis of elements such as these, appellate and some argue that the woman's right is absolute and that she is entitled to terminate her pregnancy at whatever time in whatever way and for whatever reason she alone chooses. With this, we do not agree. Appellate's arguments that Texas either has no valid interest at all in regulating the abortion's decision or no interest strong enough to support any limitation upon the woman's sole determination are unpersuasive. The court's decisions recognizing a right of privacy also acknowledge that some state regulation in areas protected by that right is appropriate. As noted above, a state may properly assert important interests in safeguarding health, in maintaining medical standards, and in protecting potential life. At some point in pregnancy, these respective interests become sufficiently compelling to sustain regulation of the factors that govern the abortion decision. The privacy right involved, therefore, cannot be said to be absolute. In fact, it is not clear to us that the claim asserted by some that one has an unlimited right to do with one's body as one pleases bears a close relationship to the right of privacy previously articulated in the court's decisions. The court has refused to recognize an unlimited right of this kind in the past. We therefore conclude that the right of personal privacy includes the abortion decision, but that this right is not unqualified and must be considered against important state interests in regulation. Appellate, as has been indicated, claims an absolute right that bars any state imposition of criminal penalties in the area. Appellee argues that the state's determination to recognize and protect prenatal life from and after conception constitutes a compelling state interest. As noted above, we do not fully agree with either formulation. The appellee argue that the fetus is a person within the language and meaning of the 14th Amendment. In support of this, they outline at length and in detail the well-known facts of fetal development. If this suggestion of personhood is established, the appellant's case, of course, collapses, for the fetus's right to life would then be guaranteed specifically by the amendment. The Constitution does not define person in so many words. Section 1 of the 14th Amendment contains three references to person, but the use of the word is such that it has application only postnatally, 
none indicates with any assurance that it has any possible prenatal application. In short, the unborn have never been recognized in the law as persons in the whole sense. In view of all of this, we do not agree that by adopting one theory of life, Texas may override the rights of the pregnant woman that are at stake. We repeat, however, that the state does have an important and legitimate interest in preserving and protecting the health of the pregnant woman, whether she be a resident of the state or a non-resident who seeks medical consultation and treatment there, and that it has still another important and legitimate interest in protecting the potentiality of human life. These interests are separate and distinct. Each grows in substantiality as the woman approaches term and at a point during pregnancy, each becomes compelling. With respect to the state's important and legitimate interest in the health of the mother, the compelling point in the light of present medical knowledge is at approximately the end of the first trimester. This means, on the other hand, that for the period of pregnancy prior to this compelling point, the attending physician in consultation with his patient is free to determine, without regulation by the state, that in his medical judgment, the patient's pregnancy should be terminated. If that decision is reached, the judgment may be effectuated by an abortion free of interference by the state. With respect to the state's important and legitimate interest in potential life with the compelling point, is, the compelling point is at viability. This is so because the fetus then presumably has the cap capability of meaningful life outside the mother's womb. State regulation protective of fetal life after viability thus has both logical and biological justifications. If the state is interested in protecting fetal life after viability, it may go so far as to prescribe abortion during that period, except when it is necessary to preserve the life or the health of the mother. Measured against these standards, Article 1196 of the Texas Penal Code in restricting legal abortions to those procured or attempted by medical advice for the purpose of saving the life of the mother sweeps too broadly. The statute makes no distinction between abortions performed early in pregnancy and those performed later, and it limits to a single reason saving the mother's life, the legal justifications for the procedure. The statute therefore cannot survive the constitutional attack made upon it here. To summarize and to repeat. One, a state criminal abortion statute of the current Texas type that accepts from criminality only a life-saving procedure on behalf of the mother without regard to pregnancy stage and without recognition of the other interests involved violates due the due process clause of the 14th amendment for the a for the stage prior to approximately the end of the first trimester the abortion decision and its effectuation must be left to the medical judgment of the pregnant woman's attending physician b for the stage subsequent to approximately the end of the first trimester, the state, in promoting its interest in the health of the mother, may, if it chooses, regulate the abortion procedure in ways that are reasonably related to maternal health. And C. For the stage subsequent to viability, the state, in promoting its interest in the potentiality of human life, may, if it chooses, regulate and even prescribe abortion except where it is necessary.
and appropriate medical judgment for the preservation of the life or the health of the mother.